Thanks for joining us for another Family Life Today program brought to you Monday to Friday by Power to Change. I'm sure you'll hear something today that could give you a fresh perspective on your marriage or family situation. Be encouraged as we join Dave and Ann Wilson. Okay, so what would you guess was pretty much my pet peeve with the church growing up? Being fake. People not being real. How did you know? I didn't think you were going to get this one. We talk about that a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just that was it. More than anything is, you know, you sit there and you feel like everybody's sort of plastic and... Or you feel like I can never attain what they have and so you think it's hopeless for me. Yeah, and I felt like I was probably the worst sinner. I thought things did things nobody else here does. And then I found out, guess what? (laughs) Everybody there is broken and hurting, but again, nobody would talk about it. And if I would say the next generation, our kids... Yeah. And even our grandkids, what are they looking for in a community of believers? Realness. And so today, we get to talk about real life with Shelby Abbott. Shelby is in the studio with us. You're going to recognize his voice as soon as he says hello. But Shelby, welcome to Family Life Today. Hello. (laughs) Now say say a couple more words so people will go, I think I've heard that voice somewhere. On behalf of David Ann Wilson, I am here. Yeah. And why would somebody recognize your voice? Because I I recently took over for Bob Lapine uh, as the voice of Family Life Today, talking to our listeners at the end of each program. And it has been a huge learning curve for me. And I sat under the best who was at it for 30 years. As we did. It's not easy, is it? Yeah, it's not easy. It's really not easy. I thought I would be able to translate the skills that I have when I've done stage stuff in front of students over the last 20 years. I thought I'd be able to translate it pretty easily into communicating behind a microphone. But it's actually been a lot more difficult than I anticipated and humbling, but in a good way, because I feel like I've grown and learned quite a bit in the last year or so, learning under Bob Lapine. Yeah, and Bob's He's the, the, best. the master coach. He's he coached and mentored us for almost three years yeah. in studio with him and now without him, and, and now the same with you. And so, I mean, we're uh, the three of us are sitting here thinking, We're like wow. his children. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we are. And we've replaced, you know, Dennis and Bob were legends. They yeah. have built something that God, it, it's, it's unbelievable. And to, to sit here is pretty humbling. Yeah, I'm just grateful to be in the room. And Shelby, tell us, like, what's your past? What have you been doing? The last two years specifically, I've been with Family Life on uh, the content team writing. The previous 20 years to that, since I graduated from college uh, at Virginia Tech, I was on staff with the Campus Ministry of Crew. So I I was uh, seven years at James Madison University in Virginia, working directly with students, discipling, evangelism, all that kind of good stuff. And then since 2006... I've been doing a number of different things with crew, still in the campus ministry. I did some stand-up comedy for four years, and then I did some stuff with our publishing arm in the campus ministry, marketing and things like that. Worked with a media team of videographers and graphic designers and always kind of writing in the background. I wrote a few books for the campus ministry as well. Yeah, we've had you on with a book that you've written. What are the books that you've written? With the campus ministry, I wrote a book called Jacked, which is a devotional about motivating and inspiring students to share their faith. It's kind of like short little snippets to help them gain a heart for communicating the gospel with others. And I... Decided at one point, too, that a lot of students who I was working with had a a lot of great qualities in a lot of different ways, but they were getting it wrong when it came to relationships with the opposite sex. And so I decided to write a book 
kind of to what would have been my college self about dating and how to handle dating in this modern world of internet technology and smartphones. And that one's called Amped? <laughs> that one's actually even more clever. It's called I Am a Tool. I remember that. To, yeah, to, right. help, about. to help with your dating life. Yeah, so I, I read that one as, as well. You're also married? I am. Talk, talk about that. How long, kids? Uh, Rachel and I have been married for 15 and a half years. We got married in the early part of the summer of 06. And we have two daughters, a 10-year-old named Quinn and an 8-year-old named Hayden. And they are delightful and very difficult at the same time. High highs have been with my kids. Low lows have been with my kids. And the most sanctifying work that Jesus has done in my life, apart from a couple of physical ailments that I've had, has been being a father. But I've loved it. Said every parent. Yes, exactly. The high highs and the low lows. Everyone's are like, yes, I'll raise my hand to yes. that too. Yeah. And you have a passion for an age group college age, 18 to 28, and have launched a podcast with Family Life called yeah. Real Life Loading. That's right. Talk about that. What is that all about? I wanted to be a part of the solution when it came to the real issues that young people wrestle with. That is a unique period in, in their life. They're out from under the kind of label of high school. So they're out either in college or doing some sort of vocational work. They're not at, in grade school anymore. So they're making decisions that are impacting their future. And they're doing it not because their parents want them to do it generally. They're doing it because they make those decisions to do them on their own. And leading from the college age years, 18 to 22, and then 23 to 28 or so, you're starting to get your feet under you. You're starting to figure out who you are, what you're passionate about, what you're going to be gifted at the most, what kind of contribution you can make to the world. And that unique period of time will often lay the groundwork for what the rest of your life will look like. Not always, of course, but I've also found that in those moments, it is formative in a number of different ways because you can't lean back on the experience that you have because there is not a whole lot of experience, but you have all this energy at the same time to be able to pour your life into something and be passionate about it. And I found that college-age students or young business professionals that are just getting started, they change the world. They are the future. Dr. Bill Bright was like, if you reach the college campus today, you reach the world tomorrow. Well, if you reach young people today, you will reach the world tomorrow. And young people today are experiencing struggles and difficulties in ways that have never been experienced before because of the Internet age. And so I really wanted to create a podcast that was Christ-focused, theologically sound, super real and honest about the struggles that they go through in order to help kind of be a well-trusted guide to come alongside of them, a well-trusted friend to say, let me help you walk with Jesus in the humor and hardship of life because it's a combination of the both. Yeah, so let's talk about Shelby Abbott when he was that age. <laughs> I mean, partly we want to talk about real life loading and uh, hear some more where you're going with that. But, uh, you know, our listeners are like, who is this guy that does the intros and back ends of Family Life Today, Shelby Abbott. So when you were 18, better than that, go back to like seven, eight years old. Tell us a little bit about your family. If you could think of a word or two to describe your home or your upbringing, what would it be? Well, I come from a broken home. My folks got divorced when I was three, and then my mom remarried when I was six. And when my mom remarried, 
the man who I call my dad, he's raised me since I was six. He was in the military. And so military lifestyle, like if you know it, you know it and you understand it. And so I went from being in one place in California my whole life to all of a sudden moving all of the time. And a relatively, at the time, I used to be a relatively inflexible person, not wanting to take many risks, kind of very shy and wanted to keep to myself, uh, just always do the right thing. The military lifestyle forces you out of that for good and for bad. And it makes you into the type of person you got to make friends quickly or you're not going to make friends at all. So being the constant new kid in school came with its significant challenges. But at the same time, it also made me into the person I am today. And so looking back on it, I probably wouldn't choose it again for myself, but I'm also deeply grateful for it. So, I, I mean, just to give you a small example of what that means, my freshman year of high school, we were in Stafford, Virginia. My dad was assigned to the Pentagon, so we worked at the Pentagon that year. My sophomore year, we were in Montgomery, Alabama. My junior year, we were in Great Falls, Montana. And then my senior year, my father got an assignment to go to Panama, Central America. So I decided to stay behind and live with a different family my senior year while my family moved to a, a different country. So I had four different experiences for four different high school years. So being the new kid and, and being constantly uprooted with that is just it, you can grow bitter and cynical about those kind of things. And part of me did in, in a lot of different ways. But I look back on that and I'm actually I see the finger of God leading me through those uh, difficult years to shape me into the person I am today. And I'm I'm grateful for the pain, so to speak. Mm. We kind of sidestep that like your parents got divorced when you were three. Tell us about your dad a little bit, your biological dad. Do you have a relationship with him? And was that divorce something, because a lot of kids in that 18 to 28-year-olds, they've gone through that experience of their parents being separated or divorced, yeah. or there's just so much going on in their lives. Was that difficult for you? Yeah, of course. I mean, it was one of those things where my mom got full custody of me and my sister, but then we had summer visitation rights with my father, and so we would spend the school year with my mom and my dad, my stepdad. And then during the summer for about eight weeks or so, we would go back to California and spend the summer with him. And when it came to my father, he was interested in me until he wasn't. And I kind of recognized that he talked a big game about a lot of stuff. He was kind of an over-promiser and an mm -hmm. under-deliverer. And um, my eyes were open to that around the age of 10 or so. And when that happened, our relationship fractured when I discovered like, I kind of lost a little bit of that childhood innocence of like, just believe whatever mom and dad tell you. All of a sudden, I questioned that specifically with him. And that changed everything. And I think even it changed for him, too, because he wasn't used to being questioned by his own children. And so since that age, he popped around a few more times. I didn't have to go back for summer visitation when I reached like adolescence. And so I chose not to. And then uh, I saw him at my high school graduation. He came to my graduation and then I didn't see him again for close to, I think, 17 years. Wow. And that was the just not interested anymore in me. And there was no phone calls, no cards at Christmas, no would you be willing to come down and visit? I think at one point he had said, my door's always open, kind of putting it on me. Like, you can always come down and visit me, but not taking an interest in my life. 
I became a Christian in that period of time, January of my freshman year. And so I tried to reconcile with him. I remember specifically through email my, my senior year, emailing him back and forth, seeing if he wanted to connect. And there was just not a lot of reciprocation there either. And so the last time I saw him was at his mom's funeral back in 2017. And that is the first time I'd seen him in almost two decades. Okay, that's big stuff. Yeah, like it's a you're lot. kind of going through it. Yeah, this happened, this happened. And as we all do when we've gone through anything traumatic growing up, it just, that's my life. Yeah. That's normal. But now as a man and now as a dad, yeah. like that probably broke you in many ways inside of feeling. I'm guessing as a kid, like that's rejection and abandonment. Yeah, I don't think I would have ever labeled that when I was younger right. as that. Yeah. But I, seeing a counselor in my late 30s helped me to recognize just exactly what you were saying. So I was struggling with a lot of anger, particularly manifesting itself in kind of road rage. I would just scream and <laughs> ang be angry in the car and, and yell at people. And while I was in the car by myself, like just yelling at people. You and I'm that, like, that's not normal, Shelby? No, it's, it's not I, normal. I you to need to see a counselor, thing. Dave. You need to see someone. I've been telling you that about his driving. Multiple times. She so really has. I got to a point where I was like, this is abnormal. I should not be this angry over someone not using their blinker. <laughs> so my wife, How about Rachel, the guy that drives in the left lane, the passing <laughs> lane at yeah. 55? Move, move. Move over. Okay, sorry. So the, the problem I discovered was with me, not necessarily with traffic. And my wife, Rachel, was like, why don't you see someone? about it. And I was like, okay. So I decided to, and it took a while to peel back the layers in the course of meeting with my counselor, but he put his finger on something specific and said, do you see what happened with your father in this moment? And it was right around the age of eight where I began to discover some of the truths about who my father actually was. And I was able to trace that all the way up to the things that I fundamentally wrestled with as an adult of like acceptance, love, trying to perform in order to gain people's approval, things like that. And then after I said that, he goes, how old's your oldest daughter right now? And I was like, oh, she's like seven, eight. And he goes, do you think that's a coincidence? Yeah. And it, my world just opened up there. And I was like, oh, I'm seeing my life again through the eyes of my daughter in this moment when she is the age that I was when I experienced this moment of deep wounding that made me, well, it made me understand who I am in a lot of ways and what my motivation is behind stuff. But it also made me to go, okay, now I can understand that, see it, label it, and then be able to get on the solution side of it through the power of God's redeeming work in my life through the power of the Spirit. And now so what's, it's beautiful. What's, yeah, mm. let's talk about that a little bit because in some ways I have a very similar story. Uh, when I was watching my five- or six-year-old son play on the carpet in front of us a Sunday afternoon and said, can you believe my dad left when I was that age? And she, with wisdom, says, yeah, now you got issues with your dad. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Yeah. My dad and I are fine, you know, and... Yeah. She literally said, you're going to have to choose to forgive him one day. And I sort of laughed like... Mm -hmm. Like I'm a pastor. I've forgiven him. Yeah. And so I just didn't think I really needed to take that journey. And lo and behold, my wife was right again. Yep. Yep. Um, but it started me on a, I thought would be a week or two journey. And it was almost five years of this journey toward forgiveness of my dad. Have you gone on a similar journey or are you still in the journey? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm still in that journey. So after the funeral, his mom's funeral, when I saw him most recently, 
it was an open bar and he was about four or five drinks in and then he came and sat down at my table and said, can't we just put all this stuff behind us? You know, I want to have a relationship with you. And I was like, if you want to talk about this for real, when you're not completely hammered, like I'm willing to do that. And when I got back from that funeral, I was really angry, just really angry. And I remember telling my wife, I'm just angry because he did this and said this again. There's never going to be any kind of reconciliation. And I remember driving back from something one time, listening to a Tim Keller sermon on forgiveness and the Holy Spirit just super, super just specifically convicting my heart of the fact that I had not forgiven my father. And I was like, man, I need to forgive my father. I'm like coming face to face grips with it. So I got home and we had little kids. So I told Rachel, I was like, hey, I need to talk to you about something after we put the kids to bed tonight. And if I don't tell you right now that we need to talk about it later, I'm going to stuff it and not want to talk about it. And she was like, uh, oh, that's scary. <laughs> yeah. Does this have to do with me? And yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's about my father. And I think I need to forgive him. And she was like, oh, okay. Sure enough, a couple hours later, we finally get the kids down. And she's like, all right, we need to talk about it. I was like, I don't want to talk about it. She's like, you told me that you want to talk about this. I was like, okay, I think I need to forgive my father. So this was a, a few years ago that I said that to him. But I'm still in the midst of that journey. I'm very close to writing something. We've been emailing back and forth, me and my father, just kind of news and weather type stuff saying in a couple paragraphs really nothing to one another and sometimes I'll respond to him and sometimes I won't depending on how I'm doing in those moments but God has really been working in my life that if I truly believe that God in his infinite purity holy and wisdom decided to reach out to me and forgive me for my cosmic sin against his purity and holiness I need to be willing to forgive others who have sinned against me as a reflection of what Jesus has done for me. So when I focus on the person of Christ and my relationship with God, then I'm able to see forgiveness in a new light. So I'm not where you're at, hmm. Dave, but I'm in the process and I'm steadily inching closer all the time to getting to that moment. It can be a long process. Again, I thought Ephesians 4.32, I preach that as a preacher, as Christ has forgiven you, so you forgive others. I just was naive enough to think, oh, okay, I know this, I teach this, let's do this, you yeah. know. And four or five years later, I'm struggling along like, oh, my goodness. I remember when I was reading a book, Forgive and Forget by Lewis Smedes. Yeah. Uh, Lewis Smedes says in this book, when you forgive someone, you set a prisoner free only to discover you're the prisoner. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the question. In your own life, you're walking that journey. We're going to talk more about this, but that's a journey that the 18 to 28-year-olds that you are speaking to and passionate about, man, oh, man, our kids, they're walking that journey as well, right? Yeah, they are. They may not be able to put their finger on it the mm. way that they want to or if they've been to a counselor. And a lot have been to a counselor. And I've seen some pretty emotionally healthy and yeah. really emotionally intelligent young people be able to pinpoint exactly what was going on in their lives when they were younger and say, this is why I am this way. It took me until my late 30s to figure that out. And I'm obviously still in the process. But the reason that I wanted specifically with this podcast that I'm starting with Family Life, to get into these things early on, the more you allow God to work in the reality of your life earlier on, the more 
God uses you without all your, it's all about me and my issues and you get tripped up over that. But if you deal with stuff in an earlier age, you're able to be freed up to do more for the glory of God in your later years. Mm. And that often comes with someone putting a mirror up to your face and saying, is this the issue that you're wrestling with now? If we can deal with those things early on in someone's life, they're going to be able to be freed up to do the glorious work that Jesus has for them in their later years and not be tripped up by the issues that have tripped me up, for example, for so long. So we're not just talking about father wounds, which, you know, there are plenty of those, but we're talking about anxiety. We're talking about fear, loneliness, addiction, all the new problems that come to the surface as a result of social media and the Internet, which are in reality old problems that are just being forced to the surface a lot quicker because of the Internet and social media. So I want to confront those head on, deal with them, allow people to work through them in a healthy way and be able to point to Jesus and say, he deserves the glory for this. And there's grace for the failings that you're in right now. It's going to get nothing but better as you get older. We want to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today. Although our programs are produced in America, the issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as Power to Change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you want to learn how to use marriage to transform your community? Consider joining with us to help build marriage ministry movements where lives are transformed through the gospel. For more information or to get started today, email radio at powertochange.org.au or check out our website under helping couples at families.powertochange.org.au. We hope you can join us tomorrow at the same time for another Family Life Today. Thank you.